today on CityCast Pittsburgh, ASMR has ruled parts of the internet for over a decade, launching the careers of all kinds of digital creators. We're with Liliana D, a.k.a. Lily Whispers. She's based here in Pittsburgh, and she's one of the most followed ASM artists on YouTube. And you'll want to stick around to the end because we've got some amazing bonus content you definitely don't want to miss. It's Monday, August 15th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. Whispers is probably best known for videos where she plays your big sister or your best friend. She gives advice, shares the tea, and she talks like she knows you, sometimes with tough love, all while doing your makeup or your skincare. All right, so I'm going to start with this nice dome brush. Lily, how would you describe ASMR to somebody who doesn't know what it is? I feel like I don't know how you don't know what it is at this point, but to somebody who doesn't know. Yeah, if you didn't see the Zoe Kravitz commercial during the Super Bowl, you should, (laughs) one, watch it. And uh, two, ASMR stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. Uh, It is used, an acronym to use to describe sounds that uh, create a kind of physical response that we call tingles Mm -hmm. in the ASMR community. So it kind of feels like a warm shiver. Um, It makes you relax. It makes you, I don't know, it's kind of like a brain tingle. It's so, it's it's really a cool sensation. Um, But not everyone gets tingles, I will say. So some people just watch ASMR for comfort, self-care, and um, forms of meditation as well. How did you get into this kind of work? Do you have to have like a certain kind of voice or... Yeah. How did you get into this? (laughs) I was recommended a video on YouTube uh, when I was a freshman in college. It was an ASMR role play uh, for a Lana Del Rey makeup look. And I was so confused because I'd never seen the acronym before. Mm -hmm. And so I clicked on the video and this woman was speaking to me, um, the viewer, you know, the person watching the video Mm -hmm. and was applying makeup. And I didn't really get it. And I watched it with headphones and I felt the tingles. And I had like the best nap of my life afterwards. <laughs> and um, the ASMR artist at the time, her name was um, Appreciate ASMR. And I just fell down a rabbit hole of learning about ASMR and just kind of absorbing and uh, 
chose a couple months later that I was going to try my um, making my own channel. Yeah. And so that's where I started. You also work in um, cybersecurity. So how do those two very different things, though, kind of marry together? So last year, I was noticing um, a little bit of strange behavior in the comment section of ASMR videos. And I like to keep my, you know, personal life as personal as I can, you know, given that I have an online internet presence. Um, And so sometimes I've talked about, you know, my work and things like that, but I've never really integrated the two um, until I found out about what fetish mining is, which is where people solicit content by certain creators. You could be a Poshmark boutique owner. Mm -hmm. You could be um, just anybody on the internet. They try to get images from you uh, to fulfill their fetish. And I fell down another rabbit hole of fetish mining. And so I was realizing that a lot of people in the ASMR community and a lot of my viewers don't really have a strong security, cybersecurity posture. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I really didn't talk about my cybersecurity, um, you know, background or anything like that until this um, fetish mining was just running rampant um, in the community. And so I filmed a video kind of exposing it and then also doing a, you know, um, information security or um, cybersecurity safety tips, internet safety tips for um, that are easily digestible for my viewers of any age. What were some of the things that you were seeing for the fetish mining? Like what were some of the comments there's like a bunch of triggers, right? Like some people like mouth sounds, some people like tapping, etc. And I found a lot of um, duct tape videos. And in the comment section, I would see individuals saying, I love this, but can you do duct tape with blue nail polish or black nail polish and things like that? Mm-hmm. And it would get very obscure and specific. And so it just kind of like, you know, just made like a little red flag. I was like, that's weird. Um, and I've been approached for people who have fetishes and I'm not here to kink shame, you know, whatever you're into. But I don't think that it's fair that these people are approaching um, and these content creators are unknowingly fulfilling these fetishes yeah. um, for these people that are mining for them for their own personal, you know, fetish fulfillment. Um, and so that's where it comes to you know, down to consent. But what originally um, kind of made it apparent was somebody kept requesting all these ASM artists to read one book. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, I don't know, like a nursery rhyme book. And so that's what led to figuring out that these were fetish mining requests yeah. and that there were a bunch. It wasn't just reading this book. It wasn't just putting duct tape. It wasn't just et cetera, et cetera. It was a huge line of, of requests like that. And what was the response though when you put kind of like that video out with the tips? So I created a Discord for ASMRtists to report red flags that they're seeing in the community. I stand by, you know, the three words of education, awareness, um, and making sure that you're um, communicating these types of signs that you're seeing to keep the community more informed. Um, A lot of people were disgusted Uh, A couple of ASMRtists deleted their channels because they felt so violated. Mm. Um, Those were more of the the more, you know, extreme responses, I would say. Um, 
but many people were thankful and they had no idea about it. Many people were willingly doing this and that's totally fine if you want to do it. But the majority of people were unaware and many people made videos in response uh, to mine in support of it, which was really cool to kind of see the community come together yeah. um, to combat it. Any kind of like content creation can be a minefield. YouTube creators especially can go through that, especially ASMR. What's it been like setting boundaries around the way people interact with you online? Oh my goodness, don't even get me started. <laughs> no one respects boundaries anymore. I mean, I have people in, um, online that I have subscribers that have been totally respectful that I've gone to as far as like meeting and hanging out with them and going to dinner with them in France or grabbing drinks with them in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are many individuals who don't respect those boundaries, who continuously, you know, pester and ask for content that I'm not willing to make or think that they know me, um, you know, and they and they make speculations about my life and my relationship and how I grew up and things like that. And it's, 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 um, it's a turnoff quite Mm. honestly. Like it doesn't want to make me put myself out there because I see my content as like giving back to a community. I think what I'm doing, I have the privilege to be able to do, um, that a lot of people don't, but if people are going to be disrespectful, then, you know, it's a two way street. I don't have, I'm making this content because I like it. It's not my livelihood. Have the people who don't respect those boundaries affected how you interact with others or how you're interacting with your subscribers? Yeah, I've like stopped um, sharing candid bits. Mm -hmm. You know, I really took pride in being very open and honest with my viewers and um, talking about my life and my experience. And people would like DM people in my personal life. People would try to get my phone number. You know, it's just like really inappropriate things. Yeah. um, Creating these what they call now parasocial relationships, the same way that we think we know celebrities sometimes. You know, we fill in the blanks about these people, but we don't know the first thing Mm -hmm. about what Kim Kardashian is like in real life. (laughs) We've never sat with her. We've never had coffee. And I'm not trying to compare myself to Kim Kardashian, but it's the same way. You see this personality or this alter ego that I'm putting online that I feel comfortable with, but it's not who I am as a person. The relationship you have with your subscribers is a very intimate one. I mean, people are relaxing or falling asleep to your voice almost every night and you don't know them. Yeah. And it can definitely come with some scary situations as well. You know, there's this person who thought my videos were made for him and he kept sending me his address and his phone number. And he was like, let's do this. Cause you know, in my videos, I'm like, I care about you. You know, you're, you're supported, you're loved, whatever. And he's like, let's do this, you know? And he's like, he's like a couple States away. I'm like, this man could actually like come and wear my skin, (laughs) you know? Um, and I laugh about it now, but at the time it was horrible. I had thousands of messages across all social media. He was contacting me on everything and I had to go to the police. Then they didn't take me seriously the two times I went there. With, and then with finally thousands when of I brought messages? Thousands, hundreds. Yes. Over the course of years. Um, yeah. He would just ramble on and on, on and on. And just like, it was crazy. I would wake up in the morning to like 30 emails from him. He would just fill out my contact form on like my my professional website. So I had to like get rid of that. Like there's no more contact form because people are just like abusing it. And uh, yeah, the police didn't take me seriously until I brought my father. Isn't that a damn shame? (laughs) Does that make you want to stop 
doing this at all or yes it um you know in all honesty and the only way that i could make it describe to describe it without sounding too morbid um is it makes me want to not exist in the place that i exist i don't know if that sounds kind of like kind of scary i don't mean it in that way like i'm you know of sound mind everything but it's more like i wish i wasn't i didn't have this online persona sometimes mm-hmm. because you can't always turn it off as easily as I always thought that I could. And the majority of people are very nice. I don't mean to make it sound, um, you know, all bad, but I do think that influencers tend to sugarcoat the experience because they want to be this role model and they want, you know, everyone's, it's a highlight reel, but there are some very dark sides of being a content creator on these platforms that no one's really talking about. And you've been doing this for a long time now, 10 years, Um, Mm -hmm. so I'm sure you've experienced a lot of these highs and lows of being content creator on YouTube. What what would you like to see platforms like this? Um, how how can they make the space safer for creators like you and, and your friends? So if you look at it from a capitalistic view, right, YouTube is never going to risk users leaving the platform and going elsewhere. Um, but unfortunately, you know, I I want a world where the internet and every type of internet activity is tied to your first and last name <laughs> and hell, maybe your social security number. I am all for free speech, but if you don't have the balls to say something to my face, but you're going to say it behind user one, two, three, I don't think that I should be the victim of that. Yeah. And I wish that YouTube and, and platforms would protect the people that are making money for them mm-hmm. instead of valuing the privacy of the users that are harassing the content creators. And that's honestly what it comes down to. People can say anything. They can make a million emails. They can do a million things. They know that no one's going to get an attorney and fight it. But shit, I've done it. And more content creators are starting to do it as well. Lily, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is great. news before you jump ship. A world-class researcher for Carnegie Mellon University is testing his new text-to-video technology on the Titanic shipwreck. I think that's so cool. Alex Wabel is a professor at CMU and an expert in translation systems. The text-to-video process reconstructs actual video from text using a synthesized voice that adapts to sound like the speaker. Isn't that weird? Uh, The research also helps improve video conferencing over low bandwidth and poor video quality. Research on if Jack could, in fact, fit on the door is still pending. And from one person who will never let go to another, longtime Bucko's owner Bob Nutting bought another local staple. It's Wiggle Whiskey. That includes the store in the Strip and Threadbare Cider and Mead on the north side. They'll both operate under Pittsburgh Spirits. That's the sister company of the family's Highland Ventures. And a rare Pirates baseball card sold for an incredible amount of money. The Honus Wagner card from the 1909 to 1911 seasons is considered the most rare card in the world. I do not have that one. I do have a lot of other cards. An auction house confirms this one broke all the records and went for an all-time high of $7.25 million. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review. 
give us any money that you get from rare baseball cards. And we'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. So we'll see you then. Oh my gosh, my dog knows I'm eating the sandwich in here. <gasps>